0: Thank you for listening to audio from First Baptist Church of Flora. If you would like more information about our church, please visit www.fbcflora.org. Thank you, Gil. Thank you for leading us in worship this morning. Uh, these, are, these are interesting days we're living in in a lot of ways. Uh, it's interesting that we're talking about COVID again in a much, more, uh, much greater way these days. A lot of folks... Uh, wrestling with that one more time and um, a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of stuff going on and we in the church have got to pay close attention to, to everything that's happening in our world and try to see it through the lens of scripture and try to understand what God's doing and try to understand where what our place in all of this is and and how we need to be responding to all the things we see and see happening around us. Not just with COVID and things like that. But just uh, just knowing how we are supposed to be able to stand in the midst of everything that's going on. Uh, we do know in our church family and our community there are folks that uh, are dealing with COVID again. I just found out a couple of nights ago. I had no idea uh, that one of my best friends in the ministry, uh, African American pastor uh, in Jackson. Uh, pastor Devon Adams, 61 years old. I had no idea that he was in the hospital and battled COVID for about two and a half weeks and and uh, went home to be with the Lord uh, a couple of days ago. Uh, great tragedy, personally for me. Uh, he was a really, really good pastor friend of mine. Pastored, uh, his church was uh, uh, on Lynch Street off of Highway 80. So it was in a difficult, difficult part of, of Jackson, and uh, Devon had faithfully served there, faithfully served there. One of the most passionate uh, gospel-centered, Christ-centered um, pastors I knew in the Jackson area. Uh, one of the things that Devon would do is he would uh, he would take, he had a big tent, and uh, he would take that tent, and about three times a year, he would take it in somewhere into the inner city, and uh, find an abandoned lot where a house had burned down or, or something like that. There's plenty of those places in the inner city of Jackson now. And he would set that tent up, and he t- set up a big sound system. And he would stay there for about a, for usually about a month, every night for a month, every night for a month. And Yvonne would set his tent up and set his sound system up and preach the gospel every night for a month. Uh, uh, three or four times a year, his church would allow him to do that, and uh and uh, he, would, he saw tons of people coming to know Christ. Uh, he'd have drug dealers come and put their drugs and their pistols on the altar. When he give the invitation, he'd have prostitutes who would just come off the street and come under the tent and give their lives to Christ. Uh, invited me to come out and preach a couple of times under that tent. That was fun, and I uh, had a great time doing that. Uh, preached in his church a couple of times. Had him preach for me, at Country Woods. I regret that re- Devine's not here because you would have heard Devon. Devon Adams would have preached in this pulpit. Uh, he's a tremendous was a tremendous man of God, and uh, but it's just you know just another reminder, just another reminder to all of us that uh, man life is short, whether it's COVID or whatever. Life is short, and we have got to make sure that we are making the most of the days that the Lord has given to us. And Devon Adams did that, I'll tell you that. I mean, this isn't his his eulogy or his funeral, but I'll just tell you, uh, Devon did that, and he finished his race strong and finished very well. One of the things that we have to all wrestle with in this life is spiritual warfare. And uh, last week we started a sermon series uh, entitled, It's About to Get Real. And uh, just a reminder to us of the intensity of spiritual warfare that we're facing, which I do believe that COVID is a part of that. I believe that everything that we're dealing with in our world, a whole lot of things that we see in our world, I'm not saying that they're, uh, you know, you you got to be careful. Sometimes you can go too far and um, kind of get a little bit too much, so that you see a you know, see a demon behind every bush and, and everything that happens, you know, if you get a hangnail. Well, that was, you know, that's because, uh, you know, the devil that was, you know, I guess the devil could use a hangnail. Uh, they're not fun, but, uh, you know, uh, but I do see a whole lot of things. And, and as we as a church continue to get more and more intentional about making much of Jesus and, and uh, God give us flora, taking the gospel to every person in flora, Mississippi, uh, we can certainly expect that the enemy's not going to just sit idly by and not try to disrupt what God wants to do <clears throat> in our personal lives and in the life of this church family. And so wh- that's why I believe this uh, this sermon series is so important for us Last uh, now. And last week there were a lot of comments after the service and even throughout the week folks uh, uh, contacted me and uh, just kind of re- relaying that this uh, uh, this seems like it's a very timely uh, sermon series, and so I'm thankful for that. And ask you to continue to pray as we move forward in this sermon series. Last week we talked about the enemy we face, and we'll talk about him again a little bit uh, this morning. Uh, I told you last week I don't like giving him that much airtime, and and uh, we talked about him a lot last week. So we'll have to talk about him again a little bit this morning, but uh, we're not going to focus so much on him. Um, but Uh, last week was the enemy we face. Uh, This morning we're talking about the battle we fight. The battle we fight. Uh, I've got a pretty extensive personal library. I love books. Most pastors do. I got a pretty extensive personal library, you know, as far as uh, theological books, doctrinal books, books on discipleship, Christian issues, and family and marriage, and different authors that I really uh, like. Uh, I'm a big David Jeremiah fan. I know some of y'all like David Jeremiah. I'm a big fan of David Jeremiah. Uh, Jerry Bridges, uh, who wrote the book, The Pursuit of Holiness. You've heard me talk about that. I've recommended that book to you and have told you I'll get that book for you. If you'd like a copy, I'll buy you a copy. I think it's that good a book. Uh, Different things like that, but also one one of the subjects that I really like is I just like different uh books about military things. I'm I'm a military guy. I've talked to some of you guys that have served in the military and I uh appreciate your service so much. Regret that I did not uh do that myself as far as maybe serving in the reserves or in the National Guard, but that's that's just that's the Lord's uh, plan. But uh I've got 42 books. I, I I counted this week. I've got 42 books on different aspects of Military uh, history, different aspects of uh, different battles, different wars. Forty-two books on different wars. Uh, I've got uh, several books on. I don't think I've got anything on the uh, Revolutionary War. I may have a book or two in this connected to the Revolutionary, but starting with the Civil War, I've got several books on Civil War. Uh, some books on World War uh, One. Uh, several on World War Two. Uh, maybe a book or two on Korea. A couple of books on. Uh, of uh, uh, the Vietnam War, and then uh, a couple other books that just uh, kind of pull out different aspects of, of some of the other uh, battles uh, and wars that uh, we've been involved in through the years. Uh, and one book that I picked up uh, last year is simply entitled The Book of War. That's not, it's a book that just covers that. It's, it's, it's got 500 plus pages. Now, I'll tell you, I hadn't read the whole thing yet, but it's, uh, it's, it covers war from... Uh, from biblical history. I mean it, it goes it, it gives each one of the uh, wars is covered in just a one or two pages, just a one or two page synopsis of whatever that war, Uh, is or or was, and it starts all the way back in 1274 BC with the Battle of Kadesh, 1274 BC, and it goes right on up uh, to some of the uh, uh, battles in the Gulf War and things like that. So it covers the whole, the book of war, the history of war as far as mankind is concerned certainly that even 500 pages doesn't even come close to covering all the battles all the wars that have been fought all throughout history of mankind but it's a pretty it's a pretty interesting book to read and to think about how wars and, and military tactics and everything have developed and how some things are the same uh, but uh, but uh, as far as tactics and strategies uh, but certainly modern technology has made uh, fighting wars uh, completely uh, different in a lot of ways but on the inside, uh, flyleaf of that book, um, the author said this. He said, throughout human history, violent conflict has been a fact of life. To know, his, to know the history of war is to know human history. To know history of war is to know human history. Do you know why? You know why war has always been a part of human history? It's because of what we're talking about right now. Uh, because we have a very real enemy, who has been uh, going, been fighting, and the battle that's been going on, and the war that has been raging uh, since Satan and his angels got kicked out of heaven, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. Uh, right up to this very moment, uh, that's uh, that's the kind of war that's been going on, and it's a different kind of war. But that war caused, has caused all these other wars that we are in the that we see that. Uh, from uh, from the Battle of Kadesh all the way through up to right now, uh, the wars that we see going on, uh, the unseen spiritual war that's happening manifests itself in the spiritual battles that you and I fight every day. There's an unseen war that's going on right now that manifests itself in the spiritual battles that you and I face every day. Man, the conflicts that have been going on in our world uh, the wars and the battles that have been going on in our world have, uh, have been going on since right after the fall in the Garden of Eden. I mean, seriously, you think about it, right after uh, the fall, right after Adam and Eve fell in the Garden of Eden, when Satan came into the Garden and tempted them and they gave in to temptation and fell, war started because it started with Cain and Abel. Uh, there was a war right there, a battle between the two of them. And so it started then, and it just kept right on going. And some of those conflicts, some of those battles are are found in the books that I've mentioned that I've got in my personal library, and some of those some of those literal military conflicts that we can read about and we know about from right here in our own backyard with the Civil War battles fought right here in our community, right here in this area, uh, to faraway places like Verdun and, and France and World War One, and, and uh, Normandy and Guadalcanal the World War II and Pusan and Incheon and, and the Korean War and the Mekong Delta and the Vietnam War and then Afghanistan and Iraq and Iran and all of these places that we've seen wars happening, battles happening. So certainly we see all of that, but then the conflicts that you and I are talking about and the things that we deal with today are the conflicts and the battles that happen in our own personal lives. The wars that we fight, the battles that we fight, In our own personal lives, in our homes, and in our families, and unfortunately sometimes in our churches we fight conflicts and battles within churches. We all know stories of churches that have gone through horrendous difficulties, and churches that have split, and churches that have closed, and folks that have left churches, and all kinds of horrible things that I pray would never happen in the life of this church because the unity of the body of Christ is so incredibly important, and one thing we will always fight for in this church Family, is we'll fight for the unity of the body of Christ because we can't see that happening, but that's we know it's happened. We know it's happened in churches. We see it. We deal with all kinds of things in our personal lives, and people deal with abuse, and people deal with addiction and neglect, and we all have to deal with crime, and we face disease, we face COVID, we face depression, we face discouragement, we face death. We have physical battles, we have emotional battles, we have mental battles, we have financial battles, relational battles. The wars and the battles go on over and over and over in our lives. And it's all because there's this unseen war that's happening right there, right now, that manifests itself in the battles that we fight every day. I want to ask you to take your Bibles and turn back to the book of Ephesians, where we're going to be staying over the course of this sermon series. Lord willing, over the next uh, few weeks throughout the month of August, we're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter six, verses 10 through 20. This the whole, the passage that we're focusing on. And, but over the course of this sermon series, we'll pull out a verse or two from each, uh, each week and look at it and kind of focus on a different aspect. That's why last week we looked at verses 10 and 11. And we talked about the enemy that we face. And this morning we're going to look at verse 12 and talk about the battles that we fight. So would you stand, please? And I want to go ahead and read this, again, this whole passage just to kind of remind us of what this thing is all about. And Paul is writing here. He's writing to the folks at Ephesus under the leadership and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. When he says, finally, and the reason he says, finally because this whole letter, he's already told him, this is who you are in Christ. You've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. You're seated with Christ in the heavenlies. Man, you've been chosen by God. You've been redeemed by God. This is who you are. And this is how you're supposed to live your life. Be an imitator of God. Live for the Lord. Honor Him in your life. And he says all of these things. And then he gets to verse chapter 6, verse 10. He says, finally, because of all the things I've said to you, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. And this is where we're going to focus today. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. We'll come back to that verse. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. So stand, therefore, Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. In other words, he said, just keep on praying. And verse 19, and also for me, Paul says, for me, uh, keep praying for me that words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare boldly as I ought to speak. May God bless the reading of his wonderful word this morning. Let's pray together. Father, I ask you now, as we do each week, Lord, just asking you now, as your Spirit is with us and in us and among us to teach us, to teach us, to reveal truth to us, and then to help us to obey and to glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. I told you last week, and I'm sure I'll say it again and again, how much I love the book of Ephesians, uh, favorite New Testament book. Uh, Ephesians was written by the Apostle Paul in about A.D. 60. Uh, You see there in verse, uh, verse 20, that last verse, Paul said, I am an and it's hard to say those two words together. I am an ambassador in, in chains, literally in chains. Paul was writing this letter to the churches at Ephesus from a Roman prison cell. This is one of the prison epistles. I mean, one, he's he's writing from a prison cell here, about AD 60. He wrote it to the churches all around the city of Ephesus uh, to, to just celebrate God. That's why this is such a beautiful book, man, because it just celebrates the, the, the expanse of God's plan for our salvation. I mean, he just, he just, he can't, it's almost like he can't say it enough. He, he, he just can't find enough words to talk about how awesome the plan of God is and how beautiful and how amazing it is that God would call us, that he would save us, that he would work in our lives. And, and just, he just, it, it just, it just burst out of him when he starts talking about the grace of God and the love of God and the blood of Christ and all of these things in fact that right off the bat in Ephesians 1 verses 7 and 8 Paul says this he says in him talking about Jesus he says in him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he has lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding I mean did you just hear that I mean, just he, the, the beauty of that, the 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 depth of that language in Jesus. We have redemption. Listen to what he says in Jesus. We have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that He has lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. That's what that's. Paul starts this book, starts this letter in Ephesians talking about the, the wonderful uh, mercy of God. This book just shouts about the mercy of God. It just shouts about the, the grace of God, the love of God. It just proclaims, just uh, screams out about the plan of God for our lives. That's why it's such a wonderful book, and why I would just encourage you to stay in this book, even after this sermon series. I mean, listen to some of these verses, and the grace of God is one of the things that you'll see mentioned over and over again in the book of Ephesians. In Ephesians 2, verses 4 and 5, Paul said, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, has made us alive in Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions and sins, it is by grace you have been saved. He's talking about the great, he talks about the grace of God. He talks about the mercy of God. Just a reminder to you, you may know this, you may remember this, the definition of grace is God giving to us that which we do not deserve. It's just a gift. For it is by, and then he says in verses uh, chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, for it is by grace you were saved. It is by grace you are saved. That's, that means you don't earn it. You don't deserve it. You don't work your way up to it. I have people tell me sometimes when hey man, are you ready to give your life to Christ? Well, I'm just, I'm not ready yet. I gotta get some things. <laughs> I gotta get some things. I gotta work some things out in my life. I gotta, I gotta, look man, don't, don't worry about trying to clean yourself up before you come to God. Man, come to God and let, let Him clean you up. I mean, that's, that's His grace. He just says, come, come to me come. And I'll give it to you. If you will just come, I will give you salvation for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. He says not by works so that no one can boast. Man, Paul just says, man, it's grace. It's grace. It's the grace of God. God giving to you that which you do not deserve. And then he talks about the mercy of God. Well, I already said that verse, verses one, uh, chapter 1, verses 7 and, 7 and 8, that, uh, it, that this is the, the, the mercy of God that He's lavished on us. The grace and, the, and mercy is God not giving to us that which we do deserve. What do you and I deserve? We deserve death and hell. There's nothing good in any of us apart from Christ. Paul said over in the book of Romans, For all have sinned, there is no one righteous, no, not One. But because of God's mercy, he says, I'll give you salvation so you won't get what you deserve. It's it's so awesome. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, he said, Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love. Live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Man, do you just hear... The beauty of God's plan for our life. That's what the book of Ephesians is all about. The grace of God, the mercy of God, the the love of God, the plan of God for our lives. And listen, it is because of His mercy, because of His grace, because of His love, and because of His plan, God has made sure, listen to me, God has made sure that we are equipped to be able to stand when the battle gets intense. That's that's grace. That's mercy. God says, look, I love you enough. I'm going to give you what you need to be able to stand. I love you so much. I'm going to give you what you need to be able to stand. The plan for your life is that I'm going to give you what you need to be able to stand when the battle gets intense. And so the application for this message today is this, is that God has given us the means to know how to fight our spiritual battles and be victorious. We sing the Southern Baptist National Anthem, Victory in Jesus. It's victory in Jesus. That's, that's what we have. That's who we are. We are more than conquerors. We're already victorious in Christ. Amen? He's already saved us. We've already defeated death. But now we get to be able to stand, and God's made sure that we have the means to be able to stand when the battle gets intense. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the battle that we fight. So first of all, there's three things I think we need to know there. Number one, you better, know, you better know how serious it is. You better know how serious this battle is. We can't be flipping about this thing. We can't just go through the motions on this thing. I mean, listen to me. The church is not a carnival cruise ship. You don't get the, you don't come to church. You don't, you don't just join a church and participate in church activities like you would if you were on a carnival cruise ship. We're not on a carnival cruise ship. We're on a battleship. Do you understand that? The church is a battleship. We're not on a cruise ship. We're not, we're, it's not like we're flying along in a, in a luxury jet airliner sitting in first class sipping on some cold drink. That's not what we're doing, man. We're we're in a fighter plane. We're headed for a dogfight. We need to understand that this is serious. We better understand and know how serious this is. We're not we're not zipping along in some cute little convertible with the top down, man. We're 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 in a main battle tank moving out onto the battlefield. We're, We're not we're not plinking at paper targets with a BB gun. We're walking into the battle with high-powered weapons and, and, and artillery to face a deadly enemy. We better understand, we need to understand, we need to know. We better know how serious this is. When you look at what Paul says now, let's go back to verse 12. We said that's where we're going to focus our attention. So we're just going to pull this verse apart piece by piece. First of all, you see what Paul says there, the word that he uses, for we do not Wrestle. Maybe your uh, version of scripture says struggle. That Greek word there. We're not talking about. <laughs> I remember back in my. I remember back in my day watching Cowboy Bill Watts. Come on, can I get a witness? Y'all know who I'm talking. There we go. I, y'all know who I'm talking about. We're not. You know. Uh, that, I, we ain't talking about that kind of wrestling. We're not talking about the kind of wrestling that's fake with these men with tights on, or these women doing all kinds of fake stuff, people going crazy. We're not talking about that kind of fake kind of wrestling that you watch on TV. That's not what Paul's saying when he says we wrestle not, we do not wrestle. That Greek word talks about we're not acting like like the people in, in these fake wrestling matches acting like they're fighting with each other. We're talking about the real stuff. This is a death match. The word wrestle here means fighting to the death. A wrestling match then, your goal in a wrestling match then was to pin your opponent to the mat and choke him until he was dead. That's what we're talking about. That's the word that Paul is using there. That's what we're talking about. That's why we better understand how serious this is. We are in hand-to-hand combat against an enemy who wants to pin us to the mat until our spiritual life ebbs away. That's what he is out for, for you. If you belong to Christ, you better understand how serious it is. You might think, man, everything's fine in my life. I'm not dealing with him. Well, just hang on, sister. It's coming, man. I ain't got no problems. Well, just, just, just hang on. He's coming. He's gunning for you. He's gunning for me. This is serious. The message translation of this verse says, "This is for keeps. It's a life or death fight to the finish against the devil and all his angels." We better know how serious this is. That's why God in His grace and His mercy and His love and His plan for our lives has given us the means to be able to stand because God knows that this is serious. God understands what we're up against. He understands how intense the battle is in our lives and that it is going to get more intense. It's about to get real. So we need to know. We better know. You better know. How serious this is! The word wrestle there means it's life and death, a life or death struggle. So we better know how serious it is. Secondly, you better know who your enemy is. Now we talk again. Like I said, we'll have to talk about him a little bit this morning because you just got to because it's right here in this verse of scripture. Last week, if you were here last week, we we talked a lot about it, gave a lot of descriptions, biblical descriptions from Genesis all the way through Revelation of who the enemy is. People asked me, I, I shared with you last week, if, uh, if you want that description, if you want those things, if you'll just let me know, I'll send you, uh, I'll send you my sermon notes, whatever, you, I'll be glad to do that, because, and folks have asked for that, to understand who our enemy is, and we did that last week, and so I'm not going to re-preach that sermon, but we do need to understand some things about our enemy. You better know who the enemy is. What Paul say there, verse 12, for we do not, let's, let me tell you who, the, who our enemy is not. All right, let's start with this is not our enemy. Our enemy is not flesh and blood. That's our, first of all, the enemy is not flesh and blood. In other words, look around you. You see flesh and blood around you. You see real people around you. You see human beings around you. And so that's what Paul is saying here, and that's what the Word of God says to us, that our struggle, our enemy, is not people. We're not fighting against one another. That's why it is so sad when you see churches that people in churches get up in each other's face and they start fighting with each other. That's that's not the way it's supposed to be. Because our enemy our, str- our enemy, is not flesh and blood. Not only, come on, i just be honest. Uh, let's just be real here. That's hard to realize sometimes. That's hard to, that's hard to live out sometimes because we see those people and we hear those people and it gets tough and they get under our skin and they aggravate us and they, Uh, They they have viewpoints that we don't hold to and things that we're very passionate about that they're not very passionate about and things that they're very passionate about we're not passionate about and things we vehemently disagree with them about and things that they vehemently disagree with us about. And sometimes it's really, really hard for us to remember that our struggle, our enemy is not flesh and blood. But we must remember that. We got to look beyond the flesh and blood. And Satan certainly will use other humans to attack us. He does that. He uses uh, humans, whether it's Christians. He can sometimes use Christians who are weak in their faith and have allowed him not to possess them. A Christian cannot be demon-possessed, but a Christian certainly can be demon-oppressed. And be led and, and directed and under the influence of demonic powers. And so sometimes you see that happening. Uh, and it can happen to anybody in this room, including the guy behind the pulpit. That if we don't, if we don't do what we're talking about here, which is why this sermon series is so important, if we don't do what we're talking about here and live the way the word of God tells us to live, then we open ourselves up to being used by the enemy to bring about his work. Wouldn't, wouldn't you, what? Wouldn't you hate to be the one that the enemy used to destroy this church? Well, oh, I'd never. If you don't keep your armor, I mean, if you don't do what we're talking about here, you very well could be that person. It's hard for us to understand that we're not struggling against real people. That's harder, especially these days, <laughs> especially these days. That is so hard for us to understand. Talk to people all the time right now because man, we are drawing so many lines right now. Man, we're drawing hard lines and saying, if you're on that side of the line, you're not a part of my life. If you're not on this side of the line with me on this issue, then, then you and I are, I'm, I'm done with you. We we're drawing lines. Even in the church, man, we're drawing lines. And this is right, and that's and there should be some lines drawn. The word of God draws plenty of lines that we can't mess those lines up. But boy, we're drawing lots of lines in a lot of areas, and we gotta fight the urge to comment on every social media post that we don't agree with to jump into every fight that we see on Facebook, to, to jump into every argument and every debate and every discussion about any issue that you name right now, that anybody's uh, decided they've, they're the ones that have got it all figured out now, so uh, y'all just better be listening to me. It, it, it's, it's hard for us to pull back and not jump in because we got to remember that we have a very real enemy and his name is Satan. Not flesh and blood. Let me tell you, somebody asked me last week, he said, well, John if came out of one of the services and said, John, if Satan's not omni- uh, um, omnipresent, in other words, God is omnipresent, that means God is everywhere present. We talked about that. I mean, that means God is just as present here as he is in Russia right now. He's just as present anywhere in the world. Uh, he is, uh, But Satan is not. Satan is one being, can only be one place at one time. So if somebody asks, well, then how does he get all this? How does he do all this? How does he do all this work? Well, when Satan got kicked out of heaven, and let's look at that real quick, and you don't have to turn any Bibles if you want to. You can jot these verses down. Here's where Satan got kicked out of heaven. He was an angel in heaven, a beautiful angel in heaven. And Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 through 15, jot those verses down. Isaiah 14, 12 through 15, Isaiah said, How you are fallen from heaven, O day star. You remember that we said that was one of the names of Satan, day star. How you have fallen from heaven, O day star, son of the dawn. How you are cut down to the ground, you who laid the nations low. You said in your heart, this is where Satan did it, Satan said in his heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high God. That was it. That did it. That did it. That crossed the line with God, and he said in verse 15, but you were brought down to Sheol, to the far reaches of the pit. That's what happened. When Satan said that, I'm going to be like God, God said, no, you ain't. you gone. Kicked him out of heaven. Ezekiel chapter 28, verses 12 through 15. Son of man, raise a lamentation over the king of Tyre and say to him, thus says the Lord God. You were the signet of perfection. Here's a description of Satan. Full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in the garden, the garden of God. You were in Eden. You were in the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. Sardius, topaz, diamonds, beryl, onyx, jasper, sapphire, emerald, carbon. and Crafted in gold were your settings and your engravings. He was beautiful. Beautiful angel. Verse 14, you were an anointed cherub. Remember we said that was one of the names of Satan. A description of Satan. You were the anointed cherub. God says, I placed you. You you were on the holy mountain of God in the midst of the stones you walked. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created until unrighteousness was found in you. So Satan got kicked out of heaven. And when he got kicked out of heaven, this is what he did. Revelation chapter 12, verse 3 and 4. Revelation 12, verse 3 and 4, and another, and another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon, another description of Satan we said last week, with seven heads and ten horns, and on his head seven diadems. Verse 4, his tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. The stars of heaven were the angels. Verse 9 says there, the the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent. There's another description. It was called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. So when Satan left, he took a third of the angels with him. So those are the demons now that are working all around our world. That's why Satan's able to get his work done. He's just in one place. I don't know where he is right now. I don't care where he is right now. If he's here right now, that's fine. No problem because greater is he that's in us than he's in the world. We're standing in the strength of the Lord and the strength of his power. I ain't scared of him he took a third of the angels with him. So that's who's doing the work all over the place. You better know who your enemy is. That's how it's going on there. And you see what Paul said here back in Ephesians again. Ephesians, well, I lost my place here. Look, took my ribbons out. Paul said this, we, are, we don't struggle against flesh and blood, but this is who we fight against. Here's our enemy, against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, the spiritual darkness of spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. When you read that, you can see, and some of you military guys will see this maybe even more clearly, that there is a organizational hierarchy here. There's ranking here. When you see there, it says there, the rulers, that's obviously the top level. The commanders, the top level. Those would be the five-star guys, the five-star generals. That's That would be the top, the, the rulers. Then he says the authorities that would drop down to like staff officers, the next level of command. And you drop down to that, the cosmic powers over this present darkness. That would be like the platoon commanders, the commanders over divisions, guys like, uh, guys like that. And then it says the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places, those would be your rank and file foot soldiers, the grunts, the guys that are out there uh, in the trenches. And so you see there that it is like this this hierarchy because this is war. This is war. We're in conflict So, you better know who your enemy is Satan and all of these rulers, the authorities, cosmic powers, spiritual forces of evil. That's who we're wrestling with, that's who we're dealing with. So, know how serious it is and know who your enemy is. And then, lastly, you better know how to win. Do you want to know how to win? I mean, do you want to know how to win? Do you want to know, well, my goodness, maybe look at who I'm dealing with, and I feel so inadequate. And in, in, in and of yourself, and in and of myself, we are inadequate. But we got everything that we need. He's given us everything that we need. We are utterly and completely, and to- listen, y'all, we are utterly and completely and totally dependent upon Jesus Christ, Amen. Romans chapter 13, verse 14, jot that verse down, Romans 13, 14. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And don't even think about how to satisfy your, your sinful desires. Put Him on. Because if, you don't pay, if you're standing out there by yourself, all of these rulers and authorities and cosmic powers and spiritual forces are going to wipe you out. He's given us what we need. You better know how to win. Let me tell you how to win. Let me give you five steps to win the battle. I'll finish this thing up. I'm not going to preach five more points of a sermon, but let me give you these five steps real quickly that we need to know how how to win. This is how. Number one, pray a lot. Pray a lot. Pray a lot. Would you say that? Pray a lot. Say it with me. Pray a lot. What do we need to do? We need to pray a lot. We need to pray. So pray a lot just pray and paul talks about that you get down there to the end verse 18 he says praying at all times in the spirit a lot of times when people and i'm getting into the next uh, another sermon down the road but a lot of times when people start talking about the armor of god they stop with the sword of the spirit but no you keep on going because paul said praying in the spirit keep praying all the time pray a lot Man, God's been waking me. He woke me up at four o'clock in the morning. Some of y'all get up at four o'clock. Well, I was already up having my coffee. Not me. And so at four o'clock in the morning, I woke, I was wide awake. And so when I wake up like that, most of the time, you know, initially I try to go back to sleep, but then when I realize I'm awake, you know that fit, you just gotta kind of realize, okay, I'm not going back to sleep. And that's when I start going, okay, God, why'd you wake me up? Why am I awake? I got up and I began to. I got up and worked on my sermon some, and then I just began to pray and went upstairs to my study and got the Word out and started reading and praying some more. And man, it was no time. Within about four hours later on that morning, I was involved in some ministry with somebody, and God confirmed why He got me up at 4 o'clock. we got to pray a lot. Secondly, put on the armor. Put the armor on. We'll talk about that, not next week, but the next week. We'll talk about the armor. helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, belt of truth, shoes of the readiness of the gospel of peace, the sword of the Spirit, uh, the shield of faith, the sword of the Spirit, and praying in the Spirit. We'll talk about that, but put that armor on. Keep that armor. Third thing is this, pursue spiritual maturity. Pray a lot, put the armor on, pursue spiritual maturity. Do not be satisfied with where you are in your spiritual maturity right now because, brother, you ain't there yet. Sister, you ain't done. I don't care if you walk with Jesus for 50 plus years, you're not done. You're not as mature as you could be. So keep pursuing spiritual maturity. That's why this time on Sunday mornings at 8 o'clock is so important. You don't come here just because you like the 8 o'clock service. Maybe that is the reason you come here. But you're here because my brother or sister, you better be pursuing spiritual maturity. Pursue spiritual maturity here in your own personal life. Get up and have that quiet time. Get up and get in your Word. Get up and spend time with the Lord. Get up and pray. Pursue spiritual maturity. The fourth thing is this. Position yourself with God's people. Position yourself with God's people. You need us. You might think you don't, but you need us. I need you. You need me. We're in this thing together. You don't want to go out onto a battlefield by yourself. You don't have some guys that are going to watch your back. Uh, That book that I'm reading right now about these Vietnam special ops guys and the way that they would take care of each other, even at nighttime when they'd finally try to uh, settle down and and hide from the enemy. But they would, they would be laying there together in hiding, just made sure and made sure they were laying so close that they were touching the guy next to them. So they would know if he moved, something was going on, and I need to get up because something's about to happen because my brother, my buddy right next to me just started moving, I'm up. Position yourself with God's people. If you got a problem with somebody in this church, go today and make that right with them. If you're at odds with somebody, if you're embittered towards somebody, if you're harboring unforgiveness towards somebody in this body of Christ, in this family of God, brother, you better—you have a responsibility. Sister, you have a responsibility. Well, they're the ones that did it. I don't care. You're the ones that has the responsibility to go and make that thing right. And position yourself with God's people and finally push back the darkness. How do we do that? Share the gospel, man. Share the gospel. Push the darkness back. Push the darkness back. By sharing the gospel, that's when we talk about making much of Jesus. That's when we're going to try to take the gospel to every person in the city of Florida because we're going to push the, gar- the, the the darkness back. And the only way you do that is by sharing the gospel because wherever the light is shared, the darkness can't be there. So keep pushing back the darkness. Let me finish with this. Last week I finished with a, uh, um, a couple of verses out of the book of Revelation. I'm going to try to do this over the course of this sermon series and finish these sermons. To remind you of what's going to happen to Satan. Okay. I want you to be reminded. I don't want you to, I don't want to be freaked out and upset and scared about this enemy, these principalities and authorities and all these big bad enemies we're talking about. You, you need to be reminded. Let's be reminded. Last week out of the book of Revelation, we know that in the end, he's going to be cast into the lake of fire forever and ever. Amen? Aren't you looking forward to that? Well, this is what Paul said. I found this this week in my quiet time. Romans chapter 16, verse 20, uh, Paul said this, the God of peace, listen, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. (laughs) I like that. I like that. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Your feet. That's for those of us that belong to the body of Christ. If you don't belong to Jesus, that ain't true of you. Sorry. You don't that verse isn't for you. That's for those of us that belong to Jesus. And by the power of God and because of the authority of God, we will crush Satan under our feet. In the power of Jesus. So are you praying a lot? Are you pursuing spiritual maturity? Are you positioned with God's people? Are you pushing back to the darkness? if God's speaking to you about some of those areas of your life, maybe you say, that's not true of me right now. Then today, right now, this invitation is for you to respond in obedience. Let's go to the word in prayer. Father, would you help us now to listen to you, to respond to you, God, to do what you're calling us to do, to say yes to whatever it is that you've got for us today, for salvation, for someone to draw back close to you again, Father, to unite with this church family. God, whatever it is, we want to be obedient to you. In Jesus' name, amen.